At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Last time we gathered together, we celebrated Good Friday and we learned that Good Friday revealed that Jesus was the Son of God. It revealed that Jesus was so much more than just a man who walked this earth many years ago. It showed that he was God in human flesh. In his death, the skies were darkened. In his death, the earth quaked. In his death, the graves were opened and dead were brought back to life. In his death, the curtain of the temple tore in two, representing direct communication with God and mankind. Yes, he was the son of God, yet he was dead. He was dead. Can you imagine being the disciples that Saturday? The son of God was dead. Emmanuel, God with us, was laying in a tomb. Emmanuel, God with us, who they had seen heal the blind, walk on water, calm a storm, and raise people to life. Their friend, their Lord, was gone. Imagine what it must have been like for the disciples on that Saturday. I don't think we can really comprehend what it was like for them because we see the other side of things. The one that they were following is now dead. They watched him be crucified. In fact, at his crucifixion, they were so terrified they'd run away. They've abandoned him. You can imagine they're in hiding. You can imagine that the tape of the crucifixion is playing over in their mind, seeing the suffering and pain of the one they love so much feeling the anxieties and fears. What does this mean for me now? What does it mean for my life? He's gone. They know that God is still in control, but Christ is not with them. Imagine Saturday for the disciples. You know, at the same time, there was another group of people. There was a group of people who the death of Jesus Christ meant very little to at this time. They were people who hadn't been with Jesus. They hadn't sat under his teachings. They hadn't walked with him. They hadn't followed him. And they heard about this criminal that everyone wanted to crucify. And they may have seen strange things happen that day where the uh, sky went dark and there was an earthquake, but they really, they really didn't know what was going on there. They were a people who desperately needed a savior, but they didn't know they needed a savior. That's the end of Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, we find two different types of people. The disciples who know and love the Lord, yet his presence is not with them. And we find those who do not know the Lord and need his presence with them. Maybe you're in one of those two camps today. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you just don't feel his presence. Fear and anxiety has overcome you and you've forgotten who he is. You're stuck at the end of Matthew chapter 27. Or maybe you're someone here today who's never really bought into that whole surrender your life to Jesus thing and you didn't really ever believe that this is all real. If that's you here today, I pray that God would reveal himself to you as the son of God today. 
See, if the story ended here in Matthew 27, it'd be a very sad story indeed. Yet there's Matthew 28. We know the end of the story. So will you please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew, it's, it's a little bit past the center of your Bible. It's the first gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 28, if you don't have a copy of God's word, feel free to pull out your cell phone, feel free to pull out whatever device you have. We wanna dive into the word and what we're going to do is we're gonna look at three different scenes in three different places and you're gonna see a few different stories in these places as we look at that Sunday morning, as we look at that first day of the week, as we look at the day after the Jewish Sabbath. Matthew 28, verse one. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. You see, the first scene that we see is the tomb. And it's early Sunday morning, and our scene opens up. We see two ladies, two lady disciples of Jesus Christ. Mary Magdalene, who actually was a prostitute who was saved by God. And then Mary, who is the mother of two of Jesus' disciples, the sons of Zebedee. And they are going out, and they're going to Jesus' tomb. These are the women who sat at his feet for the crucifixion. These are the women who sat at his his side as, as he was placed in the tomb. They watched the stone be rolled in front of the grave. They watched his body be taken down from the cross, and they didn't have any time at all to prepare their friend for burial. They're going to the tomb early this morning to do a very specific thing. They're taking spices with them to anoint his body with oil and to cover his body with spices to say their last rites to him, to say their goodbyes to him. The thing which they were cheated of before. They're coming to the tomb. You know, when we think about visiting grave sites, it's a very sad thing. We go to a grave and we go to visit somebody, yet they're not there. We go to talk with somebody, but we're talking to them. They're not going to respond. You can imagine the thoughts of these lady disciples who've been so faithful to Jesus in these times as they walk forward and they look to go see the tomb. You can imagine there's tears rolling down their eyes as they walk along these dusty dirt roads leading to the tomb. Yet something happens. As they're walking, the ground begins to shake. You can imagine looking around at one another and say, what's going on here? And then it turns into a full-blown earthquake and we see the ground shaking. I wonder if they were wondering what is going on here. Yet the text reveals to us what is happening here. Just as an earthquake Mark the cataclysmic and life-changing event of the death of the Savior. Now an earthquake marks an incredible new life and new birth that has occurred. An earthquake marks another life-changing event here in this story. And Matthew lets us in on what's going on in verse 3. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now you have to get in this scene. Wake up this morning and get in this scene because this is a powerful scene. Now I want to I want to fix something for you. There's this image of angels in our culture that's really, really wrong. When we think about angels, we think about like bracelets that are on our wrists or we think about pendants that we hang from our mirrors or maybe we think about this long flowing white uh, dressed little angel cherub blonde hair blue eyes that we put on top of our tree every year this is not what angels were angels were terrifying heavenly beings They shine like lightning and their clothes are white as snow. And look at what happens to these Roman guards. Now you have to remember, these are battle-scarred, tough Roman guards. They're vicious guys and look at what happens to them. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and they became like dead men. They're so terrified, they fall on the ground. Something amazing is about to happen. The women are there. They see all this occur and you can imagine they're terrified as well. What is going on? An earthquake and now this being, this angel is here. The angel speaks to them. Verse five, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He tells them why they're there. And then the phrase that changes all of human history, the phrase that changes all of our eternities. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Imagine for a minute being these women. Again, put yourself in their shoes. You have to do this when you read the Bible. Put yourself in their shoes. He is risen? He's risen? Can you imagine the words of Jesus flooding back to their minds? I will destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. I have to go to Jerusalem. I have to suffer. I have to die, but in three days I will raise from the grave. All of these phrases, Jesus told them a bunch he was going to resurrect. They just never paid attention to it. But now all of these things are coming back into in their minds that he is going to raise on the third day. And there they are. He is not there. And the angel just doesn't tell them. He takes them in. Now imagine them. Imagine them walking into this tomb. Imagine them ducking to get into the doorway, this stone cold tomb. And they walk in and they look at the place where Jesus' body is supposed to be. And nothing is there except a linen cloth that is folded perfectly. And Jesus is gone. Imagine that. Imagine what it's like for them. Their Lord has risen. Their friend is alive. The one they went to pay last rites to is gone, but he is resurrected. And this means so much more than that they have their friend and their Lord again. What this means is that he was right. What this means is that he is Lord. What this means is that they followed the Messiah. What this means is that there is hope. That is what is happening here when these women come to this grave and they see that he is risen. 
What an incredible day for them. They probably had to catch themselves and think, is this just a dream? No, it's real. Then we see the instructions of the angels. He says, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him there. See, I have told you. Not only is Jesus not there, but the angel tells them, listen, he's going to meet you at Galilee. And now they, they have more words come back to their mind. Matthew 26, 32, he says this, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. After I am raised up. And he's doing just that. Now these women, they take off. They're gone. They start sprinting to tell the disciples. They start sprinting to Galilee. They're going as fast as they can. Can you imagine? They, their joy is carrying them. It must not have even felt like they were running. They felt like they were rocket propelled as they're running down the road. Have you ever ran like that before? You're so happy. You, you just don't even realize you're running. You pay for it later, but you don't even realize that you're running at the time. And, and you're just flying on wings. And can you imagine as they come to Galilee, look at what verse nine says. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. <laughs> That's funny. This is completely comical as they're running and they're starting to see off in the distance. They see him. They see his hair. They see his beard. It's him. It's their Lord and they're running to go and see him. A way for me to capture this and understand this is um, when Stacy and I were dating, we were long distance for a long time. And the only way we got to see each other was flying in to go see one another. Have you ever been at the airport before? Have you ever been at the airport sitting in the seat waiting for your loved one? Have you ever been at the airport just looking for a glimpse of them? And then they start walking down that runway. They start walking towards you and you see them and you abandon all sanity. You run as fast as you can to them. You grasp them and hold them because your loved one is with you. They run to see him, to embrace him. And he says, greetings. <laughs> and look at this beautiful reaction that they have. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now you have to remember something. Mary Magdalene is there. If you remember just weeks before, it is Mary Magdalene who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair who anointed Jesus' head with expensive oil to prepare him for burial. Now Mary Magdalene is at the feet of Jesus, weeping with tears of joy on his feet, worshiping him. This is an amazing picture of the gospel right here. The prostitute is now prostrate before God in worship. The outcast is now a friend and daughter of the king. The horror of death is now turned into the joy of life. They see their savior and they worship him. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. If you don't know Christ today, this changes your entire life. You see, they came to this place expecting to find a dead man 
But what they ended up receiving was a risen, living Savior. And their reaction is exactly the reaction of all of us to bow before him and worship. Why? Because he is worthy of all praise. Because he is worthy of that worship. If you don't know Jesus today, that resurrection changed your life forever. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we will be before his feet. We will be in worship with him in his presence forever. Yet for those who don't know Christ, we also should be aware that there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day where of fear, as the Roman soldiers felt. You think an angel is terrifying? Imagine standing before the judgment seat of Christ knowing you never surrendered your life to him. Yet, there's hope because in the resurrection, Jesus is who he said he was. And what he says is that God loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever, that's everyone who believes in him, whoever believes in him, now that is conditional, but whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The scripture tells us that the sacrifice of Christ is enough to pay for the sins of many. The scripture tells us that God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And truly for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 54 are true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. Power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you seek Jesus, your great fear can be turned into great joy. When you seek Jesus, you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. To as many as do receive him, to them gives he power to become the sons of God. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, turn to him today. Because the reality is, is we do not serve a dead Savior. We serve a living Savior, and Christ is with us. Do you believe he is the Christ? The grave testifies to that truth. Now, Matthew could have ended the story right there. It would have been a beautiful ending. Yet, as we look at this, we see a second scene. And what we're going to see is we're going to see a very different story of what happened that day taking place as we enter into the city. Matthew 28, 11. While they, the women, were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ear, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. Now listen to this part. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. While truth is being proclaimed to a small group of disciples, lies are being spread to the masses. We see two groups of people, the women and the guards, telling the same story. He's not there. 
Yet one is the truth that he is risen. The other is a lie that his body was stolen. It's interesting, though, because the lie of the Jews did something they weren't counting on. It, it spread forth to everyone that Jesus' tomb was empty. These leaders paid off Judas to betray Jesus. These leaders paid off the guards to make their problems go away. But just because a majority of people say something is true doesn't mean it's true. You know, that's a lie in our culture today. That truth is not absolute. It's a lie in our culture today that we can make up our own truth. Yeah, let me ask you a question. Did both of those things happen? Did he resurrect from the grave and stay dead? No. Did he walk with his disciples and have his body stolen away? It's either one or the other. You see, we don't get to determine truth. God's the one who determines truth. John 17, 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. The very word of God is the truth. That's why we gather together today. That's why we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why I'm standing up here preaching this to you. Because it's true. Let me ask you a question if you don't think the truth is absolute. Is it true that every person who's ever been born will one day die? Yes, it is. Can we, by wishing it away or paying it away, cause our death to not happen? Many people have tried. All have failed. It is true that death will come to all of us. The Bible testifies to this in Hebrews 9, 27. It says, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. One day our bodies are going to fail us. One day all the things we're trying to do to keep our body going, it's going to all fail. And one day all of us are going to die. It's a reality. Yet there's a beautiful truth. Because as it is appointed for every man to die once and then comes judgment, there is a judgment that can happen in two different ways. The first is if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And in that judgment, because of your sin, because of your sin, because of your nature and by choice, you're condemned for all eternity to a place called hell to be tortured with the devil and his angels. That's a reality. It's what the Bible says. Yet at the same time, the judgment for the believer is a joyous day. The judgment for the believer is like walking in and expecting your Lord to be dead, yet he is risen. It's a day that is full of joy. It's a day where we can be with Christ forever. It's a day that we can celebrate because lies and deception destroy, but truth triumphs. So we have to ask the question, what narrative shapes your life? You can imagine there's all kinds of stories that have been going on in Israel at this time. 
things like the sky being darkened for three hours, a 60-foot high curtain separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, ripping in two. These things do not go unnoticed. Oh, maybe people raising from the dead and walking into Jerusalem and talking to other people. That one probably would get some attention as well. Yet, what's the reality? Do you believe that Christ resurrected from the grave? Because here's the truth. If Christ resurrected from the grave, then you can be raised from your spiritual death to spiritual life. The final scene we see here is the mountain. Matthew 28, 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Now look at this. Eleven of Jesus' closest followers made it to the mountain. One did not. The betrayer. Judas is not with them. So you may ask, what's so significant about this mountain in Galilee? Well, this is the place they were called. Now this is the place they're going to be commissioned. You can imagine as they sat up there on this mountain, they could look over the village. They could look over all of the different places where amazing things had happened. You can imagine the disciples say, hey, Peter, you remember, you remember when you went out in the water and Jesus told you to cast your net on the other side and, and they were so full it started sinking our boat. You remember that? You remember the pool of Shalom? where they healed the paralyzed man. Do you remember where he did miracles? Well, look over there. That's the spot where he walked on water. Can you imagine being at the disciples on Sunday morning? He is with them. And then Jesus gives them a call. And it's the call for every believer. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, do you think they listened a little bit more after these events? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yes, it has. Even the Roman soldier at the cross said he's the son of God. And then he says it. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. For those of you who don't know Christ today, let today be the day where you surrender your life to him. Let today be the day where you don't just live off your parents' faith or the prayers of your grandma or good deeds that you did, but let today be the day where you surrender your life to him. Even in this very moment, you can go before God and say, God, I am a sinner. I know I could do nothing to earn salvation. God, but I believe that you did die on a cross and I believe you have said that you can forgive me through that. And God, I do believe that you are the Lord over life and death, and I give my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness 
And I ask you to take over my life today and change me forever. That's for the unbeliever. Now for the believer, we have a call. Our call is to make mature and multiply followers of Jesus Christ. Our call is to preach the gospel to all nations. Our call is to teach others everything he commanded us. Our call is to lead others to know Christ more. Our call is not to come to church on Sunday morning and then leave and do nothing throughout the week. Our call is not to come to church on Christmas and Easter and then do nothing throughout the rest of our lives. Our call is not to sit together and sing and hear the word proclaimed. That's part of the beautiful call of discipleship. Yet we are the people of God and we must follow his commission. Why do you think he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him? Because what he's about to say is very difficult, but he wants us to know that this is his will. His will is for the gospel to go forth and for the nations to be saved. Maybe some of you are called to be missionaries. Maybe some of you are called to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Or maybe some of us are called to just go to our neighbor's house and start building relationship with them and sharing the gospel with them. And there's a beautiful promise that closes out this entire text. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because the truth is, the grave is empty. The truth is, is that he is not dead. The truth is that he is risen. And because of that, our lives are changed forever and we can be with God for all eternity. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.